Uh, hey everybody, just so you know, I'm putting a content warning at the beginning of this episode for discussions of some violence against animals, but more predominantly violence being committed towards animals. We do get into some graphic gory detail, so if you are uncomfortable hearing that, you might want to skip out on this episode. Thanks, bye. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take popular properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tanner. And hey, uh, Lindsay, before before we get into that, uh, I've got, got some breaking news here, um, <laughs> that Hollywood has even more reboots on the horizon. Oh no. Let me, let me check our handy daddy new Twitter. Hey, also, we, uh, we have a new Twitter. Yes. Did you did you manage to get into that? By the way, not yet. Okay, I might just have to change the password then. Okay. Because <laughs> I signed up, I made the new Twitter, and then I immediately forgot the password for the Twitter. That <clears throat> that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway, new Twitter account. New Twitter account. Um, uh, where we're talking about our new episodes and also new reboot news, like the Wrong Turn franchise. Oh no. Do you remember Wrong Turn, that seminal piece the- of art, Wrong Turn? <laughs> I think I heard about that one. We've also got a female-led Grimm spinoff. Okay. Which will probably be real good for three seasons and then get weird. Yeah. And have too many. It's female-led, so there's, pro- there's going to be twice as many weird pregnancy plots. Yeah, there probably will be. Um, Moffat's getting a Dracula. He's going to get his Drac on. Yeah. And also, there's going to be an NYPD Blue sequel series focusing on one of the characters' kids. Okay. I never watched NYPD Blue. The only thing I know about NYPD Blue is that one of the main characters was rather ugly, and he got a sex scene, and everybody saw his butt. Interesting. Yeah. I don't... I usually don't watch crime procedurals unless they have, like, an interesting thing going on. Well, actually, the first crime procedural I watched was reruns of CSI on Spike. Yeah, at least that one's interesting because... You know, it's more forensic side of stuff. Yeah. Um, Okay, so it's your week to start. And I've been racking my brain for the past week trying to figure out what this (laughs) mysterious lion clue is. I asked my mom. (laughs) And she she has no idea. Okay. Can I guess? Do I get one guess? Sure. Is it Heart of Darkness? No, but I wouldn't be surprised if Joseph Conrad did get some inspiration from this story at some point. Okay, because that was the only thing I could think of. Yeah. Well, it's not Heart of Darkness, but it does involve British colonialism. Great. Yeah. Um. So, have you ever heard of the Lines of Sabo? Maybe? Okay. So... There are these two infamous man-eaters from 1898-99, and uh, they basically stalked this uh, railroad construction that was going on between Uganda and Mombasa in Kenya, and um, they're responsible for somewhere between 30 and 140 deaths. Oh, dang. And yeah. like, this is, this is proven? This isn't just hearsay this from is proven. Africa? This is proven. The Fields Museum has their corpses. Wow. Yeah. And That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Scientists could definitively point 
pinpoint that they definitely killed and ate at least 34 guys in wow. like a three-month period. Dang, that is... <laughs> I'm sure that didn't help any uh, conservation efforts that came up later on in the timeline. Well, I think this area is part of a bigger national park, but hmm. yeah. So anyway, um, this was turned into a book by one of the principal guys involved in the uh, in these events, a guy by the name of John Henry Patterson. And then his book was adapted into movies twice, once in the 30s, and then another time, a more infamous movie called The Ghost of the Darkness in the 90s. Oh, that was a movie that my mom guessed! Oh, yes! My mom got it right! Yay! Go, Patricia! I'm gonna text her right now. <laughs> my mom wins the Not If I Reboot You First No Prize. <laughs> So, anyway, Ghost in the Darkness, it came out in, oh, fudge. When did it come out? I had the tab. It came out in 1996. It's got a Rotten tomato, tomato ratings of 50%. That's actually not too bad when you look at some other movies. Yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if 96 was kind of a tough year anyway. Like, it's coming off of the heels of other you know big more action-oriented horror movies it's got 6.8 on imdb yeah because it's actually not that bad of a movie oh the problem is you know it got panned it was kind of boring and there's a character in there who was created absolutely whole cloth because the producer one michael douglas was like this is going to be my ego trip of a project <laughs> and poor Val Kilmer, who was actually playing John Henry Patterson, and who at the time was playing fucking Batman, got sidelined, basically. I always forget that Val played Batman until someone tells me that Val played Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was in Batman Forever. Which, ironically, was the only time he was Batman. Yep. Well, listen, it's... You got Michael Keaton... He's between Michael Keaton, who is my Batman. Like, he's the iconic Batman in my heart. Yeah. And then he's got George Clooney coming after, who was not a good Batman, but that's why everyone remembers him. Yeah. I think he was trying to Adam West too much. And then there was the bat nipples and the bat yeah, credit bat card. Anyways. Yeah. Also, Batman Forever, like, that's not even Batman's movie. That is the Riddler's movie. Yeah. Even if you look at the, like, the teaser poster, you've got the big question mark going around the bat logo. It's foreshadowing for the fact that Jim Carrey just ate the entire set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, anyway, um, The Ghost in the Darkness. Um, this is a movie I think that is worth rebooting or, like, just making a remake. And with CGI, we can possibly do a bit of a better job concerning the lions because um okay this is where Lindsay's gonna do her history lecture for the week okay so uh the salvo Ma man eaters what happened was in march of 1898 the british started building a railway that was going to bridge the river uh the salvo river in kenya and this was part of a larger railway that was going to link uganda to the indian ocean and Mombasa. And um, the project was to be led by Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson. And during the next nine months, okay, nearly a year, two mainless male Savo lions started stalking the campsite, dragging Indian workers from their tents at night and devouring them. 
Chris tried to scare her off the lines and built uh, campfires in Bomas, which are like these big uh, thorny enclosures. Okay. Um, if if anybody remembers watching Survivor Africa, uh, that's what they used to protect their camps. I didn't watch until like season four. Okay, so there's this one season of Survivor that was set in Africa. The only season of Survivor that was set in Africa, because as it turns out, lions aren't really afraid of humans. Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah, there were a few times when the lions were like, Damn near in the camp. I think nowadays they just bounce between like four different tropical islands. Yeah. Because it's, but like, because before it also always used to be, oh, this cool location. It was, now we're in Africa. Now we're in Australia. Now we're yeah. in Tibet. Now we're in the Pearl <laughs> Islands, the pirate place. And now it's themes like David versus Goliath, the old versus new. All that because, well, I think. The problem with Australia was that uh, people actually, like, who were fans of the show kept on walking onto set because they weren't actually that far from civilization. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with Africa was the wildlife was not afraid of the humans. <laughs> the problem with Australia is that if you're not in a place near civilization, you're not going to survive long enough to shoot a TV show there. No, no. Um, it's why so the Australian motto is skate or die. You either <laughs> skate or you die. Yeah. So anyway, the Savalines, they were basically hunting these guys for nine months. Uh, they would leap over or crawl through the thorn fences. After repeated attacks, hundreds of workers started to flee from Savo. Halting the construction of the bridge, Patterson set up traps and tried several times to ambush the lions at night and from a tree. And after repeated unsuccessful attempts, he shot the first line on December 9th of 1898. And uh, 20 days later, the second line was found... Uh, and killed the first line measured this is gonna be scary uh five feet or nine e ah la 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 words 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 nine feet eight inches long from toe to tip from toe to tip um it took eight men to carry the carcass back to the camp that's bigger than my car yeah i think <laughs> i don't actually know how imperial works but i'm pretty sure that's bigger than my car um the metric measurement was uh, 2.95 meters. Okay, so that's about the same size as my car. Yeah. Still, that's like yeah. lost megafauna. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, these lines are big. And also another creepy factor in why I'm including this in the Halloween uh, series is the place Savo in the local languages means place of slaughter. So... For many a generation, the Maasai and their various rivals would battle in this area. So, of course, you got a lot of dead people there. And um, there was an Arab slave trout. Uh, trout. Route. <laughs> <laughs> I, they enslaved all the trout, those monsters. <laughs> no wonder it's haunted. <laughs> the trout shall rise again. <laughs> <laughs> this Arab slave route um, that would take uh, slaves from Central Africa to the coast and then usually be sold within the Ottoman Empire or into the Persian Empire or over into India. What they would do is if you got sick or you were too exhausted to keep on going, they would just like let you off the chain or the rope or whatever and leave you to die. So it's believed that these lions started... Like, over generations, this particular type of lion, um, they're not entirely sure if it's a subspecies of lion or if it's 
uh, its own species. They actually, scientists today lean more towards its kind of like, it's almost like a breed of dog where like genetically it's almost identical to like the rest of the line, like savannah lines, but for various reasons it's adapted in certain ways to be kind of unique. Um, hmm. So scientists believe that over generations these lines just developed a taste for human flesh because it's, it's easy pickings and carnivores will uh, scavenge if it's easy. Yeah, that's that makes sense from a scientific point of view. Um, here's my theory. <laughs> that place is wicked haunted. Yeah, locals believed it was wicked haunted. Like, the reason why the Brits had to import most of their workers from India is because none of the locals wanted to go near that place. No shit. They're like, oh, 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 oh pip, pip, cheerio. We're going to build a train through this place called the Place of Slaughter. Everyone there was dead or dying. It's built on top of a hundred corpses. Uh, young man, would you like to help me build a railroad? Like, no. <laughs> This place is evil. <laughs> yeah. So as um as these attacks went on, like they're not called the Ghosts in the Darkness in the movie title because oh these are cool spooky names. No, the locals started to call that call them that because they believe that they were the reincarnations of like evil witch doctors. I'm with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just everything about the situation is fucking bananas. And like, yeah, okay, Patterson might have exaggerated some of his accounts to make it sound like more cool to the, his British audience and all that. But at the same time, there's a lot about this where I'm like, these are giant evil cats. Yeah, I, I the guy probably exaggerated his own stuff. He probably did not have to exaggerate the lions. Yeah, like... I totally get, like, um, just look up a picture of what the lines actually look like, and you can see, like, they could easily get into those camps. And, like, these camps are spread out over a 13-mile radius, because, um, like, when you're building a train, uh, you, you'll start, like, you'll start at one end and you'll start working, but, like, you're at different stages at the various ends. And then, of course, you got the bridge area that's going to take the longest. And Patterson was an engineer. Um, he did, indeed, come up with this one trap. That was basically like a giant mousetrap. So he took like a rail card and at one end he set up a trip wire so that like there would be two like cages that would come down to cage the line. And at the other end would be some of the workers who would act as bait. The real ballsy ones, I'm guessing. Oh. Or who would sign up for that? <sighs> There's probably some extra cash involved. Uh, yeah, I feel like they were voluntold rather than yeah. volunteered. Yeah, because most of the, by this point, everybody was just like, I need to get the fuck out of here. And also another reason why they think that there were so many people being killed was because most of the workers, again, were being imported from India and they had no idea how to handle these lines. And like Patterson himself, the guy in charge, uh, he was an experienced tiger hunter in India. But even he was like, I have never seen anything like this before. And, like, they're weird. Like, scientists today are like, these two lines are fucking weird. Like, even by Savo's standards. And Savo lines are weird compared to Savannah lines. So, first of all, the the male lines don't have manes. And uh, this is probably an adaptation to their climate. So, it's, like, really thorny and the area is really dry. In order to maintain a big, luscious mane, you need a lot of water. Yeah. And there's... And you can't be getting caught on, like, thorns and brambles and stuff. Yeah. So, 
a big luscious mane is pretty useless there. Yeah. There's also a theory that these lions might have a higher level of testosterone than other lions. So, hmm. okay. So, you know, with male pattern balding, um, it's yes, linked I'm with- Yes, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's apparently linked to higher levels of testosterone. And it'll happen quicker if you have more testosterone in you. So what you're saying is I'm manly as fuck. Well, yeah. So um, they might have had higher levels of testosterone, but that's rather hard to uh, test because there's so many factors that go into uh, your hormone levels and all that. Uh, diet, stress, environment, all that sort of stuff. Um, is and it, it also possible they had like mange or something? Uh, that might have been a factor um, or some sort of illness because these man-eating attacks... There's been a theory that's been around forever that there's some that uh when animals or carnivores go like hardcore man eating, it's because of some sort of disability. They've seen it a lot with um mostly I wanna say tigers over in India. Um okay. that it's not so much mange. Um it's more stuff to do with the teeth. Um hmm. because it's harder to like bite down on buffalo flesh. Whereas human flesh, you know, we're actually, you know, meat sacks. Really. Yes. We're delicious. <laughs> yeah. And uh, examinations of the skulls of these lines did show uh, some really bad tooth decay. Like, uh, one of them had an abscess and a canine tooth. But Patterson Ugh. said that when he was uh, hunting them, he, he shot at them a lot and he had really terrible luck uh, actually putting them down. Apparently, one managed to absorb like four or five bullets at one point. And he's pretty sure that one of the teeth was damaged by him. But it's kind of hard to tell. And, like, these skeletons are over 100 years old. It's because they're evil ghost lions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're evil ghost lions. Um, yeah. So this movie, the way to improve it is really simple. Um, stick to history. And don't let the producer go on an ego trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the whole idea... I actually wrote down the theme for the movie. Uh, we humans think that we have command over nature and it terrifies us when nature proves us just how wrong we are. What is that from? I made that up. Oh, baller. Yeah. Well, it's when you think about it, like a lot of horror films, it's ultimately about control. Like a yeah. lot of the monsters that we fear, it's about control like when we were when we did that monsters ghosts and demons class uh and we talked about the demons one of the biggest fears is about loss of control of yourself yeah and if you you lose yourself you become a bloodthirsty beast or you can't control yourself after you die or flying penises show up at your doorway <laughs> you can't control that sometimes it just happens look hermes is trying to send you a message <laughs> We don't know what kind of message, <laughs> but it's a message. Listen, just when you open your door and you see the flying penises, just flag them as spam, and Hermes will know. <laughs> but don't delete them. The last time someone harmed Hermes's penises, it led to the Peloponnesian War. <laughs> Greek history is wild, y'all. I know. 
<laughs> just wait till we get to the Roman period and I talk about the the sacred chickens and the one time a general slaughtered them and lost a battle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fuck with the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of chickens and monsters, they're fucking cannibals. <laughs> yeah, my parents have seen chickens eat other chickens. That's a horror movie unto itself. <laughs> yeah, like there's a reason why my aunt actually is afraid of birds. Can you imagine how metal Chicken Run would have been <laughs> if that's the route they went? <laughs> Let's just eat the Tweeties. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken Run 2, Road Warrior. <laughs> Chicken Run 3, Thunderdome! <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, going back to the theme of control, like, we're top dog, specially. We think we've got mastery of our world. We can just exploit resources and each other any way we like. But then nature's just like, fuck you. Yeah. Send ghost lines to eat you all yep also with that theme of control uh make sure it is the production staff that has control not the executives and also not the actors yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, let me quote the wikipedia page for ghost in the darkness in early drafts of the script remington was originally going to be an enigmatic figure but when douglas chose to play him the character's role was expanded and given a history in Goldman's book, Which Lie Did I Tell?, the screenwriter argues that Douglas's decision ruined the mystery of the character, making him a wimp and a loser. Yeah. And, like, there's plenty of real-life guys who were involved with this who, yeah, you don't need a Remington. Nah. You just need a bunch of poor saps in the middle of the Serengeti being eaten by lions. Really smart lions. And if you're going, oh, lions aren't that scary, they're just big cats. You ever own cats? Yeah, cats can be scary. Yeah. First off, if they start snarling, any animal that looks cute, you you realize that there's all these fangs back, and when it pulls its lips back, it's like a fucking nightmare being. Yeah, like, you have to remember, like, our our main pets are cats and dogs, and they're just like mini predators. Like, (laughs) okay, I don't know how you feel about Joe Rogan, but I watched a set he did, and he talked about his two ragdoll cats that he's got. So ragdolls, they're really big, floofy cats. And their big thing, the reason why they're called ragdolls is when you pick them up, they just flop over. They are like (laughs) the biggest, most softy cats ever. And when I say big, like, yeah, they get big for cats. Yeah. Because they're part Maine Coon. And Maine Coons are fucking huge. Um, This is a cat you can use as a blanket. Yeah, pretty much. Joe Rogan said, like, these really floofy, really lazy, really gentle cats, as soon as they see a bird, they just go, like, full. Like, they do the chittering noise and... Oh. (laughs) Yeah, just, like, full. They're back on the savannah, and they're looking at a fucking antelope. Yeah, well, and if if they're aiming to hurt something, whether it be they're attacking or they're just feeling stress and in self-defense, if you go to pet a cat and is not in the mood to be pet and it like tries to bite you, it is biting to hurt. And those knives are like little daggers. Yeah. And so, I had a friend whose cat snapped at her and she it was like someone had taken a, a letter opener and put it like deep into her hand. Yeah. So that's just a small cat. Blow that up to a nine foot fucking muscly monster yeah and there's two of them and they're smart 
Oh, and here's the other thing is that with this movie, we could play up the horror by not not showing the attacks at first, but showing the aftermath. Yeah. Like we have them, some people chilling and we have new Val Kilmer in like <laughs> one scene talking about the train plan. All of a sudden they just hear a commotion and uh, some screaming and roaring. And by the time they get over there, the lion is gone, but they see this one guy on the ground and like roll him over and his face is just gone. Cause if they swat at you, your That's face it. is gone. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, these cats were smart because, like, they would attack one place one night, uh, they would stake it out, and they'd be attacking some other part of the camp the next night. Like, they knew, like, to change things up constantly. Uh, There was this one attack they did. um, It wasn't as bad in real life as it was portrayed in the original movie, but there was an attack on uh, the hospital, and they decided, hey, we're going to move all of the patients to this other place, they leave bait, which is basically like fresh meat and blood <laughs> to lure the lions there. And the lions still figured out where the actual uh, patients were. Oh shit. Yeah. They didn't kill everybody, but they got at least a guy. Like, Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. And Patterson wrote about this one encounter he had. Um, he was lying in his tent and he heard one of the lions eating a guy right next to him. And he was like just in like, the tent? Not in the tent, but next, like outside of the tent. He could God hear damn. it. Yeah. Was that the line, the first one that he got? I don't know. He doesn't really distinguish between the two, but like, still, like, it's fucking. Mi- that's a mind fuck right there. That is. Yeah, that's. Fuck. And, like, apparently, um,. He claims, now there's very little proof of this actually happening, but he claims that after he had killed the lions, he had found their den, and it was filled with human corpses. And he was like, these aren't normal lions. These were, there's way too many corpses here for them to eat. Yeah, they're yeah. killing for sport. And that's what they think started to happen. They just, like, liked this. And, like, we don't give animals enough credit for being intelligent. Like, I don't think most animals are at human levels. There's some animals that are, like elephants. Elephants are, I would say, definitely almost at our level. Yeah, elephants have yeah. religion. And corvids can communicate with each other. Oh, I, I would trust a corvid with my life. Yeah. I always respect them. Yeah. Sometimes I call at them. I hope I'm not cursing. <laughs> yeah, like I give them a good amount of distance and all that. I don't want to fuck with them because they will remember you. yes they hold grudges and they pass them down through the generations (laughs) yeah and like dogs and cats not the brightest but like they're pretty smart and i think with dogs and cats it depends on the individual dog and cat some have potential some of them will run head first into (laughs) concrete blocks and then wonder why it hurts yeah yeah but like my cat I don't know if she does this anymore, but at one point she figured out how to open doors, so... I think all cats are ghosts. Uh, well, they're definitely little murder machines, so... <laughs> like, when uh, Marble was still alive, she and Shadow were basically just, like, two little lionesses, and I'm pretty sure Cliff was operating his own fight club, so... <laughs> <laughs> that cat would fight fucking anything. Wow. Like... <laughs> When we were living in Nova Scotia, when he was just, like, young and still pissed off that mom and dad got him neutered, 
And um, also, like, he declawed his front paws, not his back paws. So he was still pissed off from that. <laughs> so he used to go into the neighbor's yard, and the neighbors used to have their cat on this, like, long leash that was attached to their laundry line. And Cliff figured out that he could batter this cat, and then he would run away back to the fence. And the line was just not that long enough for this cat, so the poor thing would fucking, Aww. like, get to the end and be yanked back. Yeah. It is constantly. So your cat is basically like, oh, you, you're going to d- neuter me and take my claws away, try to make me less aggressive? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Fuck you. I'm going to get even worse. Yes. <laughs> he always left gifts all the time. Always ate the butts out of the mice. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing, though, is that if you can earn a cat's respect, you're set. Yeah. That's why, even though even though cats, like, when, when you break it down, cats can be hella terrifying, <laughs> way more scary than a dog would ever be. But I would still rather have a cat when I move out. Yeah, well, it's mostly because they're tidy and they'll keep it, in, keep it themselves. The dogs are a bit more needy, but that's because they're more social. Yeah, In that dog, you know, being in a pack sort of way. At the same time, if I died suddenly... Cat's probably gonna start eating my face. You don't even have a cat right now, though, don't you? I know, I know, but my cat. So one is just gonna appear. Yeah. Well, it's just gonna know. (laughs) Oh, human's dead. Time to eat. (laughs) But yeah, it's true. Cats are gonna more readily eat your corpse than the dog will. The dog will actually wait a while until it's at until it's like I am fucking starving. Nobody's coming for me. I'm sorry, human. Dum dum dum. I mean. Again, going back to dogs being dumb, if I died, my dog... Actually, no, I can't say my dog would start eating me soon after I died, because my dog doesn't notice food unless you hand it to her. <laughs> oh, no. We'll, we'll try and give Flower a treat, and sometimes she goes to grab it and it falls out of her hands, but she still keeps looking at us to give her the treat, even if it's right in front of her. Oh. And we'll be pointing at us like, Flower, look! Look at the ground! Look at the ground! And she just keeps sniffing our hands like, you, you said you have a treat? Where's the treat? <laughs> oh, poor thing. One time, she jumped to grab it, and she bit, like, my finger. Not hard, but she ended up biting down on the finger instead of the treat. And then she just walked away. Because she thought she had gotten the treat. Oh, no. And I just stared at her, and it took her, like, a good three minutes to realize, wait, I never actually ate anything. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to treats, Coda, the Pomeranian, he's a lot different. He will fake going out to relieve himself so that he can get a treat. That is actually quite common with yeah. a lot of dogs, I think, because Flower does that, too. Yeah, he'll go. He won't even be out there for very long. He'll just, like, go out, come back. And he's like, yeah, I, I did it. Where's my treat, human? Oh, yeah. Like, they're smart enough to equate getting a treat with going outside. Yeah. But not smart enough to realize that we have caught on to them catching on. Yeah. Uh, It's like, we're the ones who develop Pavlovian psychology, dog. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Flower, Flower will ask to go out, and then she'll stand by the stairs. She won't even go down off the deck. And then she'll just turn around and come back inside, and then go to the pantry and start whining. And they're like... No, you didn't do anything. <laughs> Dogs. They're so wonderful. But just so... Oh, you sweet summer children. I love a dumb dog. Yeah. Now, smart dogs are more like smart coyotes. That's a bit scarier. Dad was actually listening to this uh, audiobook about coyotes. And mm-hmm. um, they're 
The U.S. government basically waged a war of attrition on them, and the coyotes ended up winning because, like, they figured out all the traps. They figured out how to escape from them. They figured, oh, yeah, don't eat that because you will die, like, super insta. And, yeah, now we have coyotes, like, all across the country. Yeah. In the entire history of humanity trying to wage war across animals, we have never won. No. We were beaten by the coyotes, we were beaten by the emus, we were beaten by the rabbits, we were beaten by the cane toads. You'll notice that most of these are in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Even the rats we never really figured out how to deal with. No. Those fucking bastards. I think it's more like they just breed so fast that what are you going to do? There's eventually going to be like giant king rats going around New York someday. Yeah, there already are. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I'm just like, go back to the Black Plague, and like, there's one guy who's like, hey guys, I think maybe it's the rats and the lack of hygiene that is causing the plague. And so also like, no, it's because we're not praying hard enough. It's the witches and the Jews. Uh, sir, sir, um, do you have any uh, suggestions? Uh, doctor, doctor, do you have any ideas for how I can have less plague? Like, yes, you need to be more racist. <laughs> Middle Ages were just... <sighs> Anyways, we have gone on 17 different tangents. <laughs> Away from lines. It all started with lines. Lions. Anyway, the big thing is, like, I would totally love to film this on set in Africa, because why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, if we have the budget, we totally do that. The biggest hurdle would be the lines, because I would love them to be historically accurate, because it's kind of freaky to see male lines without a mate. Yeah. So you'd want to go either CGA, a mix of CGI and practical effects? Yeah, I would probably do mostly practical effects on set to make like the human reactions look even more real. That's the big thing. And to make... The, the problem with CGI is um, CGI is great when it's like inanimate objects or it's stuff like um, the entire island in Jurassic World was all CGI. But like, yeah. you know, because it's an island, you... You'd think that they'd be filming on a real place, not a soundstage. And it yeah. looks pretty good, but there's certain CGI where it's like, it's CGI the fantastic, really, of stuff that doesn't exist in real life. That's where you get all the problems because, you know, if you're adapting stuff, then your imagination's always going to be better than whatever they could produce computer wise. So, um, the thing about the lines is, yeah, like, they don't have mains, but, like, for the most part, during, like, the actual filming, use, like, actual lines, which you can get anywhere, apparently. Yeah. There's a lot of train lines and all that. Um, and Some secondhand lines? <laughs> or, you know, to make the CGI a bit easier, maybe get a bunch of lionesses instead of the full main lines. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. I would say, but that would just be, like, for background shots. Yeah. I think for... The fights, a lot of the early fights, because I feel like this is going to be a lot of show-don't-tell yeah. stuff, where we only see the glimpses of them at first until, like, the midway point. Yeah, it, it would be very Jaws-like. Like, like I, I'm even imagining that one scene where, um, who's uh, the uh, Patterson, when Patterson hears the person in the next hand over getting eaten, like, he just looks over and you can see the silhouette of the lion, and that can just be a hand puppet going down, like, yeah. chomp, chomp. And then it's all just, like, recordings of lions eating stuff. There's plenty of those around because there's so many nature documentaries. 
Mm-hmm. Preferably, I would like to film in the Savo area, but like, if you can't get Savo, there's lots of places in Kenya that you can film. Here's the thing. If you film in the movie about evil demon lions in the place where the <laughs> evil demon lions are from, you're going to summon additional evil demon lions. Okay, and then yeah. And there's going to the be whole the person omen. who's like, oh, wow, this is a really good animatronic lion. Oh, I've been eaten now. <laughs> yeah. Ah, beans. Real yeah. lions. Okay, we don't want hell. a reputation, a set reputation like Omen back in the day or like Rosemary's Baby apparently was kind of haunted. Or the, the, the um, poltergeist. Yeah, poltergeist is reportedly rather cursed. <laughs> yeah, I am I'm fine if we made this on a soundstage. Yep. Get a soundstage, get get some robot lions, and then CGI in the little bits. Yeah. Because this is a pretty like it's a period piece. You don't really have to do that much to make it look real. Just a whole bunch of extras, lots of period weapons too, lots of practical effects. That's the big thing. Yeah. Practical effects all over the place. Um, and it is going to be a lot more like Jaws in the whole, like, you don't see the lines and everything's very surprised. And a lot of their attacks were at night, too. So you would probably get, like, a lot of silhouettes of the lines or lines uh, in, you know, seen from, like, a campfire. So you kind of get, like, brief glimpses of them. Or, like, yeah. they're, they got, like, the downlighting, so you get, like, the really scary view of them from the light and there was this one shot from the original ghost ghost in the darkness movie of um i think it was a transition scene but you can see the fire being reflected in the lion's eyes and it looks like the gates of hell well yeah Yeah. because it is yeah (laughs) (laughs) and yeah just like this works as a horror film in the classic like just monster survival horror sense because it really is just like a race to the end. Like, how long can we survive? Um, okay, so let's let's do some casting. Okay, um, Patterson was from Ireland, so I'd want an Irish accent. And I was thinking Donald Gleeson. Oh yeah, I can dig that. Yeah. yeah, when he's got the beard on, he could pass for a your generic British colonial hunter. Yeah. We will I feel like there's only gonna be a few white guys. Yeah. Um we'll have We'll have Patterson, and then we can have just like a British fop who probably gets eaten partway through because yeah. he only cares about the money. He can be played by Mark Gaddis. <laughs> yeah. Um, at one point, uh, the reason why they really went hardcore in December of 1898 to get these lines was because uh, the boss had showed up and he's like, why haven't these lines been killed yesterday? Because so. they're demons from hell. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the rest of this, all the rest of the cast would be like African actors from Africa. And uh, Indian actors too for the workers. Oh yeah, Indian actors for the workers. So there would be the locals who would basically be saying, yeah, you're all idiots, you're all going to die, like, have yeah. fun. Yeah, and there probably were like a few locals who were actually helping out to hunt these lions. Um, maybe some Maasai warrior kind of like going like, oh, these are what the people are talking about, about these lions, like give some cultural context. And there's for sure going to be a scene where um, Mark Gaddis's character probably blames the locals for like, like you should know how to stop these lions, but why haven't you done anything? And they're like, the this is your fault. Like, realize you guys barging into Africa, wrecking everything, trying to build a train through the name, the place called This Is Cursedville. <laughs> Try and build a train there. Something is going to go down. And if you're too blind to realize your hubris, 
we're not going to help you. We don't want to get eaten by lions. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Just like polish that up for good dialogue. And yeah, we got a scene. Yeah, it's a pretty straightforward movie with... um. The thing with Patterson is that he comes off to me as someone who he's kind of prepared and he is smart. He was a smart guy. He was an engineer. He just was not ready for this situation at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, like, all the preparation in the world. Not going to help you. Because sometimes shit happens. Sometimes you're building a train through the place that is called the place of slaughter. Yeah. And you're encroaching on the territory of predators. Like, one of the big reasons why we get man-eating predators is because we humans are coming into their territory and they're not used to us and they just see us as easy meat sacks yeah and also another thing that was going on another fact of the day um that was going on like a couple other reasons why these lions were probably attacking um patterson noted that there was a whole bunch of open graves for dead workers and they were just chucking the bodies in there so of course it's a buffet yeah it's a buffet and also there was this disease going around i forget what it's called um but it was killing off a lot of the local bison their usual prey animals so of course they're like oh 13 miles worth of easy food God, the British are dumb. Yeah. Colonialism, obviously, super dumb, but also the British in general, pretty dumb. Or more appropriately, fucking arrogant. Sorry. Sorry, Europeans. Africa was fine, then you broke it. Yep. Ugh. Like, we're not saying it was a fucking paradise before we came here. They've had their own histories and bullshits and all that sort of stuff. They, but like, they knew what they were doing. Then Europe's like, I think we can do it better. But they didn't, and they couldn't. Look, everybody's Africa got their Africa owes own- you nothing. Everywhere's got its own bullshits, and it only gets worse when another group of people come in and is like, we can help. <laughs> help. <laughs> we're helping. <laughs> You know why the Koreans don't like the Japanese? They got the imperialism drug real bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dan Curlin compares it to fucking steroids, and Japan went through a road rage for about 30 years. Yeah. Or, you know, the reason why Japan didn't let in Europeans for about 200 years is because we were trying to Christianize the place and also, you know, fucking around, playing our own power politics and bringing in guns while they're in the middle of a fucking civil war and Tokugawa, probably while some Jesuit was trying to explain all the different denominations of Christians, was like, just fucking get out of here! Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean you have four different interpretations of what's going on? Well, there's four major groups and then... All the different iterations, and we're always fighting against each other. Like, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Reformation was what, fun. What a fucking mess world history is. Yeah. That's why I love it. Yeah. Oh. I'm glad you I'm glad I've got you, the history major, <laughs> in my life. I'm definitely going to need you for some upcoming stuff. Yeah. I can help. For you to show up and say, uh, hey, yeah, this uh this thing that's supposed to be happening uh, just before or just after the Second World War, uh you you're bullshit, Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> Tanner, your entire premise, it's bullshit. <laughs> Sorry, that can't happen. Just ab- abandon it. This is a 20-minute episode because, Tanner, you're dumb. Or it can be, okay, cool, but did you know that this was also going on? Yes. I can make the situation even more interesting. Yes, more complicated. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
Yeah. So, yeah, Ghost in the Darkness is actually pretty simple to remake. We just make sure certain producers don't get a fucking ego trap. Yes. So that I... we don't end up with a fucking Razzie. Oh, yeah, I did hear about that, too. Yeah. Poor Val Kilmer got a Razzie for Best Supporting Actor. Because Michael Douglas <laughs> aged the entire leading role. <laughs> this is Domhnall Gleeson's movie. And he can kind of be a hero in the sense of, oh shit, we got two fucking ghost lions trying to eat us. Yeah. Yeah, that has been the ghost of the darkness. I like it. I I probably would not watch it because I'm not the horror guy. Yeah. Like, I'm not much of a horror person, but like, this is a pretty... The very fact that this actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because my other option was adapting the entire USS Indianapolis story, but I I think I'm going to save that for next year. Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lindsay, where can people find you on social media? I'm at Twitter at Lindsay, Lindsay M476. So that's Lindsay with an A. Should clarify. Um, And all of my other social media bullshits is linked from there. Tanner, where, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Sparky Upstart. And Not If I Reboot You First is also part of the super fun network of podcasts. But as I mentioned earlier in this show, we now not only have our own Twitter account, but we also have our own email address. So if you'd like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod, which is the initials for Not If I Reboot You First podcast. Or you can email us at notifireboot at gmail.com. That is all one word, and you can send us your critiques on our ideas, comments, clarifications, let us know if we said something too dumb even for us, or even send in suggestions for stuff you might want to see us reboot in the future. Hey, Lindsay, do you want a hint for next week's topic? Sure. Give me a hint. What harm ever came from reading a book? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Yeah, so, uh, Witch Trials and all that, um, put a pen in that for future Harry Potter ideas, because I got a fucking rant about some people. Oh boy. Yeah. I can't wait for us to, like, break the seventh seal and all your <laughs> Harry Potter hatred just comes forth. It isn't hatred, it's frustration! <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> J.K. Rowling is more like the... How a lot of people probably feel about George Lucas over the years. The property <laughs> itself, like, I can't hate it because it's such an important part of my life. But then there's Fantastic Beasts, and I'm just like, oh, disappoint me so much. God, I just, I love the sweet, sweet vitriol <laughs> of when you go on Harry Potter rants. <laughs> like, I get it, Star Wars fans! I get it! Finally! <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not talking to you, Star Wars fans, who chase, like, Kelly Marie Tran and Daisy Ridley off the fucking internet. No. We're not talking about those specific things. We're talking about the emotion. Yeah. I get it, Star Wars fans who were old enough to remember the original trilogy and then had to sit through the entire prequel series. I get it.